the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are going to start off talking about the number of retirement accounts that you have. But first, I want to let you know that you can also join Josh every Monday at 1230 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at Josh's website. It is aptuswealth.com. You can also go there to schedule an appointment and go through the Aptus Blueprint process. Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Zero, zero. So retirement accounts, Josh, how many are too many? I guess in reality, the, the answer is there isn't an amount that's too many, uh, analytically speaking, I suppose. But in, in real practice, you can certainly have too many retirement accounts because there's just a lot of things to keep track of. And if you have too many, you can, you know, if you think about it just logically, you could kind of forget about some or uh, some things can come up that can kind of get you. So I'll give you some examples. Um, if you have an IRA, or let's say you have 10 IRAs, and you reach a point of 72 years old, you have to take minimum required distributions. Now, that's not that hard with IRAs, because you can add them all together. You just, let's say I had 10, I add up all 10, and I come up with a number, and that's a million dollars, and then I base my required minimum distribution based on that million dollars. And remember that required minimum distributions are simply the IRS telling us that we have to start taking money out of our tax-deferred dollars by the age of 72 because they haven't received any tax dollars on this up to this point and they want their money. So the, the IRS requires that we start taking money. But if you had 10 IRAs, you can aggregate those all together and then just take one amount. But what if you had 11, but you couldn't remember about the 11th, you only had 10, and you forgot one. Well, the penalty for not taking a minimum required distribution is 50%. I believe it's the largest penalty in the IRS tax code. So you have to pay a 50% penalty simply because you just had too many retirement accounts to keep track of. Similarly, we've been talking about IRAs, but 401ks are handled differently. So let's say you had 10 accounts, two of them are 401ks, the rest were IRAs, you added them all together and you divided it up. And you'd say, well, I took the right amount. Well, not exactly. Because 401ks are looked at individually as opposed to IRAs. So in that example, if you had two 401ks and eight IRAs, you'd have to take at minimum three required minimum distributions. Now, if you're realizing that this sounds complicated, confusing, and kind of nonsensical at this point, you're right. 
which is why I think your question is, is fair and, and good. And that is you want to have as many as you need, but no more. And the amount that you need is either based upon investment strategy or it's based upon tax qualification, meaning obviously you can't combine a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, nor would you want to. Uh, maybe you have some after-tax money. So it's going to be very, very difficult to get through retirement with just one account. Um, you're going to need more than one. But what you don't want to have more than likely is 30 because it can just be absolutely overwhelming to take care of. So a uh, uh, long-winded uh, answer to a short question, that is how many is too many? More than you need, which sounds silly, but make sure that you actually have a logical plan for how many you need and don't have any more than that because you're just giving yourself a lot of keeping track of things unnecessarily. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session, and if you'd like to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So, Josh, along the lines of having too many retirement options out there, what are some courses of action that you recommend to people looking to clean things up and consolidate their accounts? Well, obviously, you want to be very logical and you want to have a plan for what you're doing. But in cleaning up accounts, that could be looked at in a bunch of different ways. One, I want to you know, minimize the amount of accounts that I have. So I know that you know, the average retiree today has something like a dozen jobs over their lifetime. So if you have a dozen old 401ks uh, out there, that doesn't really make a lot of sense unless there's some really logical reason to do so, which uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find one to have 12 different 401ks. But let's say we combine all those together. That's great. That, that makes logical sense. But then do we start doing planning on uh, doing Roth conversions? And what is a Roth conversion to begin with? Well, Roth conversion is simply taking pre-tax money that's in an IRA, 401k, any of that alphabet soup stuff, and paying the tax bill today so that you don't have to pay a tax bill ever again. Because Roth IRAs, all the gains inside, as long as you hold those Roths for five years, is tax-free. Now, if you're concerned, like so many people that I'm talking to today about future tax changes, you might be able to knock out two birds with one stone. If you believe it's time for me to clean up my multiple accounts, focus in my investment strategy, and prepare for what I believe will be sweeping tax changes to my detriment, well, then it's a great time to try and kind of do all those things at the same time. And Roth IRA conversions are looking very, very appealing. They always look appealing, uh, but they're looking more and more appealing as we're hearing the potential tax changes coming down the pipe for purposes of planning for retirement income to planning for the potential of long-term care to the the list just goes on and on. And I can't imagine that anybody listening wouldn't say having tax-free money is worse than having taxable money. Obviously, having tax-free money is, is a better scenario. But the, the, the trick in, in converting IRAs to Roths is really how much and when. Because you do, in fact, have to pay the taxes today. So oftentimes I get questions about, you know, when and how should I do it? I'm making, you know, I'm making the highest I've ever made in my life. When I retire, my income is going to go down. Is now a good time to do a Roth conversion? Probably not. But we need to do the math and not just come up with kind of these carte blanche answers on when you should and when you shouldn't. So ultimately, we want to clean up as much as we can, make it easier for our heirs when we all leave this world, and minimize taxes as much as we can in the process, focusing in our investment strategy. And the easiest way to do that is to start by creating a retirement plan, start by looking at what your goals are, and then gradually whittling away to get down to a point where it makes logical sense. 
And for those just listening or new to the show, Josh offers the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Plan. So, Josh, part of the plan is you looking at everybody's accounts, and that's when you can decide whether, and with your client, whether, you know, some accounts can be whittled down. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the process is obviously learning about the client, understanding where they're coming from, what they're doing, what resources they have, what their goals and objectives are, and then figuring out a way to streamline and focus that uh, objective as much as possible, taking into account all the things we just talked about. You know, what impact will taxes have on my specific situation? How much will inflation affect my specific situation? The fact that I have these 12 old 401k accounts, how should we combine those together, if at all, and how will that affect my situation? So the, the retirement blueprint planning process is really one of uh, specifically designing a plan and a solution for you that maximizes the uh, benefit while minimizing the impact of things like taxes and inflation in your situation. And what are all the steps that you go through with new, with new clients? Sure, it's a four-step process. So step number one, we call the discovery meeting. And in that meeting, we're going to find out what you want to accomplish, what you've been doing up to this point, essentially what resources do you have to accomplish those objectives, and tell us a lot about you. You know, what is your risk tolerance? How do you handle, you know, volatility in the market, et cetera? And meeting number two, we're going to analyze what you gave us in meeting number one. So if you keep on down the same path that you're on, Will your arrow hit the target? Essentially, can you retire the way that you want to, continuing to do what you're doing today? And then usually through that process, we'll figure out uh, some areas of improvement. You know, what could potentially derail your objectives and your goals? And that, in meeting number three, we will cover and we will solve those problems uh, via the Aptus Retirement Blueprint. So how do we eliminate as many speed bumps as possible on your retirement uh, roadmap? And then not until meeting number four do we uh, realize, is this a uh, mutually beneficial relationship? Is our process right for you? And do you want to become a long-term client? And the only thing I can promise throughout the process is you're going to learn a lot and you will walk away uh, much better off than when you showed up. Love it. And what about, do you have a lot of clients that forget that they have a, a retirement accounts, that they have so many going on that, you know, some slip through the cracks? Uh, It it does happen, but I would say more often than not, the unfortunate reality is where we find out that people had more accounts than we were aware of is upon their death. And that's a terrible scenario because now we're we're trying to get the resources that you allocated to your beneficiary specifically, but we don't know how many accounts you have because they're scattered everywhere and there just wasn't a logical semblance of order of all of them. So it's important that not only for yourself while you're alive, you streamline the process of saying, how many accounts do I have? But ultimately, you're going to leave money to somebody. Uh, Whether that's a charity or a child, it doesn't matter. That charity or child is going to be left with the daunting task sometimes of trying to find out where all this stuff is. And the more streamlined that process is, the better. And oftentimes, Diane, we find that people, you know, had accounts that we spend six months, a year, two years trying to find. So it's, it's uh, more common than you think. And is there a search that you can just do to find these accounts? Or There are resources. Those resources are getting better. There's uh, you know, some databases out there where we can start to look. But quite frankly, there's a lot. They're really antiquated. You know, not everybody is kind of in, in that system yet. It's, just, it's more difficult than it should be. It's getting better. But usually uh, working with our office helps. You know, I've, I've been in scenarios where it's taken us 18 months to find significant sums of money, like half a million dollars. 
where we just didn't know where to look yet and it hadn't hit the I mean, how are we going to know that the money has been, quote, orphaned if the institution doesn't know that the person has deceased yet? They don't know that it is, in fact, orphaned or that the money is kind of unclaimed. So it takes a really long period of time. So moral of the story is, what is it, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Let's get ahead of it so that it's not a problem down the line. Well, first of us, all, all of us listening are, are imagining how we could just miss an account with half a million dollars in it and forget about that. Well, again, it wasn't missed, so I'll give you the scenario. It was a, uh, a gentleman who passed away, unfortunately and unexpectedly, from a heart attack. He left all of those funds to his son. He was divorced. Half of his money I managed. The other half of his money he managed on his own. Well, he, didn't, he had everything set up for electronic statements rather than statements coming to the house. Nobody knew the password to his computer. Nobody knew where any of the accounts were, and no statements ever came to the house. The only reason we even knew the money existed is because I knew that he had these other accounts out there. I didn't know where they were located. So that leaves you with an interesting quandary, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Where do we start looking? It's a difficult, difficult thing to go through. So the important part is make sure that somebody has a, in case of emergency, break glass file where it at least tells them where everything's located. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, the Aptus office number is 614 614- 364-7300. That number again is 614-364-7300. And besides every weekend, every Saturday, you can also join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call. His number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh, let's talk about the mistakes people make that end up being very costly for them in retirement. What are the biggest ones you see? I think we get to split this into two categories. One, what is costly emotionally, or uh, let's call it happiness in retirement. And then the other is the financial piece of it. And I think that the biggest uh, ones that I encounter in retirement is either not planning, not living within your means, and not understanding taxes is a huge one. So uh, we, we obviously, everybody listening knows you got to live within your means because if you, if you spend too much, you're going to run out of money. It seems very obvious. Um, but how do I control taxes? Taxes can be incredibly costly, and we almost view them sometimes as it's so confusing Uh, I hear terms like you got to pay the piper at some point. So it seems like how we take our money and where we take it from oftentimes is very arbitrary. We're just 
we're just taking it from a place that seemed like a good place to grab it because of some nonsensical idea. When in reality, you can make a big difference in your tax bill based upon how you take money. The perfect example that I give all the time is, you know, here in Columbus, we have a, an RV and boat show. And a lot of people uh, that work with me end up getting boats, particularly in retirement. And they'll go to the uh, boat show. And I, I want to say that it's sometime uh, in the winter time, if I recall correctly. So, you know, very discounted boats. People like to buy boats there. And they'll come into my office in, in December and say, bought this boat, got a great deal on it. Fantastic. The problem with that is I asked them how they paid for it. And they said, well, I paid cash. I took the money out of an IRA. And what they don't know is by taking half of the money out of the IRA today and then taking the other half out of it maybe in January, we have now split that cost or that tax bill over two years. And people say, yeah, but you still got to pay the same taxes. Maybe, maybe not. It depends on where you are in the tax brackets. It also depends on how your Social Security is taxed. The moral of the story here is it depends. And oftentimes you could have saved thousands of dollars in taxes simply by spreading that tax liability out over a couple of years. Similarly, not doing any sort of year-end tax planning, meaning should I do, and this is pre and post-retirement, should I be doing Roth conversions? Should I be doing contributory IRAs to lessen my tax bill? The point here is being very logical and being very pragmatic about your taxes rather than just, you got to pay the piper. That doesn't make any sense. That's a huge mistake. So taxes, number one. Number two, um, I think we talked about you know, uh, happiness. Not knowing how you're going to fill your free time, I think is a huge mistake. I think oftentimes we dislike our job or we dislike the grind of having to get up every single day and go to a job that we find less than fulfilling, uh, maybe to an employer that we don't enjoy. Things have changed. Insert COVID list goes on of all the reasons why we'd love to walk away from our job. We get to a point where we know financially we can do it. So let's pull the ripcord and get out of here but we haven't put a lot of thought into what we're going to do once we retire. And I think that's a huge mistake. Um, oftentimes I'll encounter people who say they just wish they either wouldn't have quit their job or now they're retired and they're looking for a job because they didn't put a lot of effort or thought into what they were going to do. And now their lives feel very empty. And if you're listening to this going, man, I got a million hobbies. I know exactly what I would do. Then obviously you don't fall into this category, but that's not always the case, particularly for people who are overachievers that put a lot of value into their occupation. And then that thing that they got up at 6 a.m. every day to go do goes away. So put some thought into what you're going to do. And then the last one, um, I think that we understand it's going to be a challenge. That is health care. But we don't understand is how big of a challenge is it going to be? How do we mitigate the risk to us? Are there insurance policies that we can buy? or What do we do? You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I have conversations in my office about, you know, I know I'm turning 65 in three months and I'm getting all this stuff in the mail and I don't have the slightest idea how any of this stuff works. I know that I have to get Medicare. I don't know when. I don't have heard about these supplements. And then there's something that I have to get called Part D. And it just seems like overwhelming to people um, and not really putting forth the time or energy to understand specifically how it works, because over the remainder of your life, you will spend on average more than $300,000 from retirement to death on health care. Don't take that decision lightly. For a lot of people, that's as much as they've saved in their entire lifetime. 
So the point here is make sure that you're working either with my office or somebody who can help shed some light on what will the cost of health care be and how do I mitigate those risks or minimize them or eliminate them as much as I possibly can. Uh, those are the three big ones that I see. Make sure you have a plan for happiness. Make sure that you live within your means and take into account taxes and how do I plan for that. And then don't ignore health care. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. The number I always find shocking is the cost per year of long-term health care. Let's, let's put some fear into people or, or just a reality check. How much are we looking at in Ohio per year if it's long-term care? Yeah, I mean, well, one, there's, there's assisted living, and then there's long-term care. And uh, long-term care means you literally have round-the-clock care. Think nursing care. And that, that can either be at your home or it can be in a facility. And in a facility in Ohio, it's very, very easy to see seven to $9,000 per month in a facility. But when I say those numbers, like $7,000 a month, that might be in a small room that you share or even smaller room that you don't share in a facility that you might not want to go to. So if you want to have options, uh, if you want to have control to be able to stay at home, if you want to have control to be able to have a private room at the location that you want, um, that number can go up and it can be very daunting and challenging. Now, that does not mean that you should live in fear, as you said, strike some fear in people. You shouldn't live in fear, but what it means is similar to the overall healthcare situation. You have to put some time into how am I going to handle this? In other words, a plan is not I'll cross that bridge when I get there and I hope that it's okay. That's not a plan. For a lot of people, paying for long-term care out of pocket simply isn't feasible. But what is feasible is to do planning to maximize your situation. And that's always the objective is how do I position myself in the best possible place to give myself the best possible scenario for what the resources that I have. And talking about the sen- being happy in retirement, and we all think, oh gosh, I can't wait till I'm retired. I can just imagine what I'm going to do. But a lot of people, and we find this with, with men, they need that sense of purpose. But also women need that sense of purpose too. I have a friend who's retired and she's just kind of lost. Yeah, I think there's this uh, old, old belief system. Um, you know, it used to be that we would work for the same job that we had for our entire lives. We'd get a gold watch and a pension and Social Security and right off into the sunset. But the reality is, for a lot of people, I mean, rewind the clock 60, 70 years ago, the average life expectancy was pretty short. So you basically worked your entire life, got a pension, and unfortunately didn't live very long into retirement. Now uh, we have the challenge of handling our own pension because pensions for the most part are gone. Um, but we also have a lot of longevity. So people are living, you know, 20 years into retirement is, is not uncommon at all. Um, so I don't want to say that uh, things have changed, but, but they have changed in that regard. And similarly, simply saying, you know, I'm just going to retire and be happy and sail off into the sunset isn't a really good plan. I think what people need to focus on more so than saying, I'm going to retire and not do anything is either... I'm going to retire and here's my plan for activities or fulfillment, or I'm not going to call it retirement anymore. I'm going to call it financial independence. I want to get to a position financially where I can do whatever I want and that whatever I want might be a different job. It might be, I've always wanted to play, you know, music, but you know, I'm not good enough to go make a bazillion dollars traveling around the country playing music. I got to support my family. But if I can rate reach a point financially where I can quit my job 
you know, being an accountant because I don't enjoy that and then go play music and I only make $10,000 a year playing music. Well, then you found your fulfillment, you're happy and you're financially okay. So we're trying to, to re recategorize retirement in this office with financial independence. That can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but we want to get you to a point financially where you can decide. You, you punch your own ticket. You decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. That could be traditional retirement or it could be something completely different. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. We've talked about the mistakes to avoid. Let's flip the script here. Let's talk about some of the best habits to establish when approaching retirement. Well, as you can imagine, it's, it's almost the exact opposite, right? Let, make sure you can live on a budget. Don't blow up your retirement by spending astronomical amounts of money in the first five years. And we do know statistically that people's re- first five years of retirement are usually the most expensive if they do things like travel, all the things that they wanted to do in their working years that they didn't have the time to do. And then it kind of lulls out, and then it gets really expensive once the possibility of, of significant medical expenses come into play. But understand that budget and live within your means uh, will buy you a lot more happiness and freedom, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I guess, you know, living within your means actually makes you happier, which I know sounds weird, but that is, uh, there's been a million surveys that have proven that having that stability of knowing you're going to be okay, makes you more happy than buying the purse. And then, you know, rebalancing your investment portfolio or, or taking an active role in your investment portfolio every year is helpful. And that does not mean that you make rash judgments or make you know, changes all the time, but revisiting things and making sure that the decisions that you made last year still apply to you this year. You know, we've been saving money to put a roof on the house. Well, now the roof's on the house, so we still need to save the money to put a roof on the house. No. I mean, very logical changes like that. I would caution everybody, however, you know, that a great habit is not being emotional about your money. And I think the next six to 12, 18 months, are going to be more uh, uh, more easily uh, a time to be emotional about your money. You know, hop on uh, any website right now, any news website, if you can even say that, but uh, hop on MSN, hop on, you take your pick, and hop on the money section, and I bet all the headlines will read something like how you're being screwed and how to be a bazillionaire and what the government's doing and how the market's going to crash or how the market's going to explode. It's all very polarizing. And hopping on those bandwagons has proven historically to be very costly. We call it the investor behavior gap. And that gap is how investors behave when the market is very volatile. We, inter- we essentially are buying high and selling low, which we all know is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. But what has occurred as a result of that is the average investor, as compared to the overall market, has returned about 2% on average per year less than the overall market. And you could say, well, that's because of the fees or it's because of it's actually not. What it's from is poor behavior in volatile markets. And I think it's very reasonable to assume that as we're still running in the longest bull market in history, we are going to encounter in the very near future significant market volatility. And making illogical decisions will hurt you in the long run there. So a good decision is 
Be active in your investment uh, management. Be active in your financial planning, but don't make emotional decisions. And to schedule an appointment to have Josh go through your portfolio and you to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call. His number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about your 401k and pulling money out of it. Josh, what should people know if they're going to try and do that? Well, there's a bunch of different ways to pull your money out of your 401k. Um, Many people will realize that it it seems a little bit harder than it should be oftentimes. You've been putting your money in this savings vehicle your entire life, and then you actually want to use it, and it seems like it's a it's a giant hurdle to jump over to get your money back. But shouldn't it um, be because you really want to save that money for retirement? It, it should be. But what I'm speaking of specifically is not just the hurdle of now I know I need to take this money out. Maybe I shouldn't be. But the hurdle of companies actually allowing you to do it. Uh, companies will give you almost a guilt trip when you call them. Are you sure you want to do this? Have you received special tax notice? Blah, 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 blah. That references how bad this could be for you. And they, they strike the fear of God in you to actually take your own money back. So it can seem overwhelming and difficult, but there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Now, one of the ways would be, you know, I don't necessarily want to take this money out of my 401k to live on. I just want to roll the money from my 401k to a self-directed IRA so I can be more actively involved in the management and can make more significant managerial decisions. Meaning my 401k has 20 options or 30 options, and I'd like to have more options. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking the money and spending it. It just means that you'd like to do other things with the funds. And that can be uh, a challenge as well. But that is called an in-service rollover or an in-service distribution. Or it's simply called a rollover. It depends on your employment. In-service, meaning that you still work there. And for most people, if you're listening, if you're over the age of 59 and a half, still working for an employer, there is a very high probability that you would be able to do an in-service rollover take money from your 401k, put it in your own self-directed IRA or working with an advisor such as myself, changing your investments while continuing to contribute to your existing 401k, receiving a match if that's uh, part of your your job, and all the, the benefits that you get from a 401k, but you can just diversify while you're still working. That isn't necessarily living on the money. It's just allowing you to do other things. But I will tell you that when you call, again, um, you know, the... the Sometimes the job of the institution is to keep the funds as long as possible to make said management fees off the funds. So they don't make it difficult. They don't make it easy all the time. Our office can help you with that. But other ways, I want to take some money out because I need it. Well, one, are you over 59 and a half or not? Because if you're over 59 and a half, then your only liability for taking those funds is obviously you won't have those funds in the future, but you do have to pay ordinary income taxes on the money that you pull out. If you're under 59 and a half, well, now there's a bigger problem because pre-59 and a half, there is something called the excise penalty or the 10% penalty, you might hear it, but it is a 10% penalty 
plus taxes. So now if you're in the 22% tax bracket, it doesn't just cost you 22%. It costs you 22% plus the 10% penalty. Now, there are ways potentially to get around that penalty. There is something called 72T, which is taking those distributions over five years or until you're 59 and a half, whichever is longer. It's a structured payout scheme. That is absolutely allowed by the IRS, but that can be very restrictive and not fit your scenario. You can take out hardship withdrawals potentially. We saw COVID had some exemptions for that as well. Or you can take out those monies as a loan. Obviously, you have to repay that loan. But oftentimes, particularly for younger individuals, a loan is the best choice. So I think the takeaway from all this is before you jump through all the hoops of withdrawing the money from the 401k, and by all the hoops, I mean, how should I? What's the process for doing so? What's the most advantageous way for me to do it? You should investigate other ways uh, because you're also foregoing the future gain on all of those investments. So before you go and say, hey, I got 10 grand in my 401k, I might as well take it from there contact our office and we'll walk you through whether or not that's a logical decision or not. Maybe it's the absolute best decision, but it could be a very terrible decision um, that could be costly when you get to 1099 at the end of the year that you weren't expecting. And Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Speaking about the loan, Josh, what are some of the terms? Are they usually lower interest rates or or what do they base the, the payment plan on and the interest rate on paying this back? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the interest rate is obviously based upon a 100% collateralized loan. So you're taking a loan from yourself. So the loan is already paid off because you took it from yourself. So really what you're doing is you're taking a loan on the taxes from the IRS, if you think about it, right? So the interest rates are usually incredibly favorable. The payback provisions are incredibly favorable. You get to pay it back directly out of your paycheck. So taking a loan from a 401k is not a terrible idea, particularly in the short run. But we want to make sure that we're not taking loans out on something that is a future asset that will help us survive for something that's foolish. You know, don't take a loan on your 401k to go on vacation. That's not a very logical solution. Uh, But again, we'll help you walk through the process and make sure that it makes sense for you. So not doing your due diligence when pulling money out of a 401k could be a big mistake. What are some other mistakes that people make with their 401ks? Well, the, the biggest one that I see all the time is they start with a company. Now, this happens particularly for people who have worked for a company for a really long period of time. They start with a company. Somebody had explained to them how they should invest. They've never talked to that person ever again, and they've never changed the allocation for the last 25 years. Now, that could be good on either front. It could be good uh, because it's uh, – or it could be bad on either front. It could be bad because you invested incredibly conservatively 25 years ago, and now you've foregone all those potential gains. Or it could be – that at the time that you did that, you were 40 years old and you were as aggressive as you could possibly be, and now you're 65 years old and you're about to retire and you're literally 100% aggressive. And usually people don't figure out that they were too aggressive until there's a market correction and then there's a panic. Meaning, I thought that I was very moderate. I put all my money in you know, small cap stocks and now I'm six months out for retirement. I just lost 40% of my money because there was a market correction. Now I'm terrified, so I'm just going to liquidate all my stocks and go to conservative investments. You'll never get that money back. This is emotional investing again, terrible position to be. But this all could have been thwarted by just being reasonably allocated for your particular stage in life. So one big mistake I see is never looking at it again or never looking for assistance in how you should be allocated. And then furthermore, understanding what that means. So there's power in understanding. 
So don't simply invest in your 401k and say, you know, I'm not really a money person. I don't really understand this stuff. Uh, I talked to somebody and they said this is where I should be. Well, if that's as far as you're going to go, which a lot of people do, then when situations occur that you don't understand, you will make irrational decisions that will cost you. And there's only one thing worse than not being in the stock market at all, and that's being in the stock market and getting out at the worst possible time because you'll never recover. So the important takeaway here is, to a certain degree, get an education lesson on why you're doing the things that you're doing, revisit them consistently, and make sure that you're staying on track. Um, another one would be simply not contributing to your 401k up to a match. You'd be surprised. I see this all the time, Diane. Participation in 401ks is incredibly low. I've seen various stats, but it appears to me that uh, only about one out of three people in the United States contribute to their 401k. And that doesn't matter whether or not it has a match or not. And a match is simply free money that your company is willing to give you if you participate in the 401k. So, for example, very common, a company will say, you put in 3%, we put in 3%. Or you put in 6%, we put in 3%. If it was you put in 6%, we put in 3%, you are literally getting a 50% return on your money, even if you put it in the cash account. So for every $100 I put in, they're putting in $50. And people don't contribute. That is so silly and foolish that it, it's hard to even wrap my head around. But make sure that you're at least contributing up to the match at all costs. Get there one way or the other. Um, those are the big ones. Not understanding what they're doing, not reevaluating, not making sure they're staying on track, and then not contributing at least up to the match. I see all of those things all the time, and they're incredibly costly in the long run. And even more good reason to have a financial planner or a financial advisor because your job, I know when you sign up for your employer, uh, 401k, they kind of, you go through this little quiz, maybe three questions, and then they kind of tell you, cause you get to pick what kind of fund you want it to go in, but they never come back to you and say, let's, let's look at this. So that's why it's important to work with someone. Well, and how do you possibly, yeah, absolutely. And how do you possibly understand somebody off of three questions? And I think there's some significant survey bias there too. I think everybody answers the questions the way they f feel they should, you know what I mean? And it's not really what they believe. You know, are, are you comfortable with the stock market? Well, I think I'm supposed to be. So, yes. Um, do you understand that you could lose a substantial amount of money if you invest in the stock market? Well, I, I know I'm supposed to say yes. Yes. It's very, very helpful to work with somebody who not, even, not only helps abridge the learning curve and helps educate you on what you're doing, but also really kind of tears through um, that, that survey and understands you and who you are and what is the best fit for you. And what will you be able to live with in the long run, which in turn maximizes your potential for success? And that's one of the things you do uh, during the Aptis Blueprint process. Of course. The process is about understanding where you want to go, understanding who you are, and understanding what you're capable of doing to get there. So part of the process is not just the dollars and cents and understanding that you have to save $200 a month at this particular interest rate to get to where you want to go and we want to make sure that we pay as little of our gains and taxes. And all those things are incredibly important. But none of those come to fruition if you don't actually follow them. And the only way you're going to follow them is if you understand why it's important and you understand how to either weather market volatility, if that's where you end up being, or understand that you don't have any market volatility because you've made the decision that you don't want that. Because we all have decisions. We can either... Try and tolerate market volatility. Try and tolerate the fact that our money is going to ebb and flow over time if we participate in the stock market. But in exchange for that 
emotional uh, roller coaster ride, if you will, we don't have to save as much on a monthly basis because we'll get a higher rate of return. On the other side of things, we can eliminate all that market volatility, never worry about any of it, and create a plan that still gets us to the same end zone, but it may require more discipline on a monthly contribution side. So understanding where you fall on that spectrum is very important. And my job is letting you know that there are both options and there's a combination of both of those options. And where do you land on that spectrum to give yourself the best chance of success so that you don't derail the whole plan the second that the market pulls back? To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, just give Josh a call. His number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And besides, every weekend at this time, you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 p.m. as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. That's Mondays at 1230 and more with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call. His phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's talk about estate planning. Josh, how has it changed in the past couple of years, especially during the pandemic? Well, I think we would be remiss not to say that the pandemic has changed everything. And and estate planning is certainly one of those things. Particularly, I think we all know that the pandemic and COVID has been especially dangerous for older Americans. Um, So, you know, if you felt like you had 20 years to do all the planning for uh, your estate, uh, we've seen probably, hopefully not friends and family members for most of us, but many of us have seen that that timetable, unfortunately, get pushed up. So the takeaway from COVID, I think, as it relates to estate planning is don't sit on your hands, quit stalling, and go get it done. We all know that we need to get it done, but who wants to go do it, right? Who wants to plan for their eventual death? Nobody. I get it. Who wants to plan for the fact that uh, about 50% of, you know, one in every two of the people on this, uh, you know, you or I, Diane, are going to end up needing long-term care at some point. We have about a 50-50 shot. Uh, Nobody wants to think about that, myself included. But just not thinking about it and putting your head in the sand isn't going to solve the problem. We need to actually do it. And hopefully, if there's been one positive byproduct of COVID, it's been motivation to get things done that we want to get done. Whether that's, you know, fix the thing, take the trip, get our financial affairs in order. 
whatever that might be. But many of the stuff still remains the same. You need to get a healthcare directive. Something happens to you, you become incapacitated. Who's going to make decisions on your behalf? You need to get that ironed out. All these things, by the way, can be handled via an attorney. Healthcare power of attorney. Um, you know, where you can you can go as far and deep in, into this as you want. Who's going to handle my financial affairs if something happens to me and I can't? Living will is different than obviously a regular will. Living will is going to decide how do you want to be treated if something happens to you. You know, if you become essentially incapacitated, do you want to be resuscitated? Do you want to be kept alive via ventilator? What do you want your life to look like when this time comes? And that's important to come up with for two reasons. And, and I can't speak to, to one of them. I mean, obviously, one of them has to do with how much control you want to have. But the, the one that I can speak to is, unfortunately, part of my job is seeing all of our financial planning and our state planning actually play out. And I can tell you definitively that the more organized you are, the more clear you are in what you want your situation to look like, the easier it will be on your family. Don't leave the decision to, quote, pull the plug to your children. Make the decision for them. It's going to be difficult one way or the other, but at least you've made the decision and there's no argument or debating amongst your family members. Similarly, with where does your money go when you pass? Don't leave it to your kids to argue about it in court or don't leave it to whoever you're leaving it to to argue about it in court. Get, a, get an estate plan in place. Speaking of long-term care, um, I consider long-term care to be part of an estate plan. Um, do you want or need trust based upon your situation? How much control do you want to have in the way that your money is divvied up at your death and the use of trust to protect your assets against the costs of long-term care, putting you in the driver's seat? Trusts have pros and cons. One of the pros is or the biggest pro is control. It puts you in the driver's seat of how everything plays out. In the industry, we call it sometimes controlling from the grave. But trusts enable you to do that. The downside is the administration and the costs associated with the trust. So you have to determine is a juice worth the squeeze. But again, being proactive, taking a proactive approach to estate planning and planning for something that none of us really want to think about saves a lot of time, arguments amongst family members, taxes, money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if COVID and the pandemic has helped us in any regard, let's hope that it was a, a, a kick in the butt to kind of get us to do those types of things. So what happens when someone doesn't have anyone to kind of help them make decisions? What happens to people who have no family or or estranged from their family, or don't talk to their family. Yeah, the, the, the big takeaway here is if you don't plan, if you don't have documents, and those documents could be a will, a trust, uh, having beneficiaries assigned to your 401k, your annuities, all these different things. But essentially, if you have not taken proactive steps to determine where this money is going to go, whether it's to family members or whether it's to a charity, it doesn't matter. If you have not proactively done that, then upon your death, your assets are going to go through a process called probate. And in the interest of time, we'll just say that probate is a court system that determines where your money goes for you. It takes a lot of time to go through probate. It's costly to go through probate. And a judge gets to determine where your money goes rather than you. So if you don't feel like paying the court costs 
and attorney fees associated with going through probate, having your money tied up for a long period of time, for then somebody that you don't know to determine where that money goes, then I think I would highly recommend you go through an estate planning process of getting all of your uh, affairs in order and making sure they go where you want them to go, wherever that is. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh's office a call. That number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, you deal with a lot of people in all of your years in this business. What are the financial traits that, that lead to happiness in retirement for most people? Well, I would say in general, because obviously everybody's different, but in general, I think the more that you can eliminate worry, the happier you are. And I know that sounds so obvious, but how can you, if you really think about that, how can you eliminate worry? Let me give you an example. There was a study done recently about home ownership and having a mortgage paid off versus having a mortgage. And people in my industry, many times, particularly with interest rates being as low as they are, will oftentimes say things like, uh, the fancy word is arbitrage, but we're essentially going to play the spread between the fact that I can get a 30-year mortgage at 3% and I can invest the money. And over the last five years, I've averaged in the teens, right? So I'm making money by not paying off my mortgage. I think that for everybody listening would make a lot of sense. Why would I want to pay off my mortgage when it's basically, you'll hear the term, free money? That, however, is not the way that surveys and statistics play out. What we found through many surveys of people that are incredibly wealthy and people who aren't is that people in general are much happier and lead more productive lives when their homes are paid off in retirement. Now, that does not mean I don't want you to take that and say that I should obviously pay off my home at any cost. Not true. What I am saying is having a process, a logical process through which we are paying off your home if it's within reach or your home is paid off in retirement seems to be a significant factor or key to happiness. The removal of that debt, the removal of that required payment seems to make people happier. The other is having access to a certain amount of liquid capital, liquid money, money that you can get to in the case of emergency makes people happy. And what I mean by that is even if you have a pension and you have social security and that meets your uh, monthly requirements and you have no savings, People don't seem to be as happy in that scenario as if they do, in fact, have an adequate amount of savings for emergencies. So uh, I think you know, if I was going to attribute these first two things, I would say having your monthly outlay, your monthly requirement for income being as low as possible while having emergency money available seems to hint towards happiness. Now, notice in these first two examples, I haven't said Having a really high-returning, perfectly balanced portfolio is what makes you happy because statistics prove that that's not true. Statistics does prove one other thing, though. That proves that if you can have multiple sources of income, that leads towards happiness. So I want to have as little outlay requirement as possible, emergency money available, and then I'd like the income that I receive every month to help cover those low expenses that I have to come from multiple sources. And by that, I mean having social security, having a pension, having a 401k, having an annuity income stream, maybe even rental properties, the more the better. But it's been my experience over the past you know, 20 plus years that three seems to be the magic number. When you get to three or more, it seems like happiness goes up. And I don't have a survey to prove that, but I can see it on people's faces. When we have not just social security and a 401k, but we have one other source of some, some type of guaranteed income. But I, I can tell you in happiness, we talked earlier about 
making sure you have making sure you have uh, hobbies that you can do, making sure that you have something to provide you fulfillment. But if we look at from pure dollars and cents, having the least amount of stress via debt positions, having the least amount of monthly outlay requirement, and then having plenty of resources from diversified sources to cover all those every month seem to lead to happier people. And what do you do with clients that they, you know, we'd only dream of having their portfolios and they're in great shape, but they still stress. Do you give them the number to a good counselor or a therapist or what do you do? Well, sometimes, you know, they need to just go to counseling because it's something that, you know, money clearly isn't going to solve. And, and I certainly know when I'm overstretching my bounds, I'm, I'm not a counselor. And the only thing I can do is, is crunch numbers and try and uh, give some sort of semblance of understanding and solidarity and understanding that they're going to be okay. But, you know, the best that I can do in that scenario is go through examples and do what we call stress testing. Uh, oftentimes people are afraid of the unknown. So if we can turn the unknown into the known, meaning, well, what if inflation goes up to 5% or, or what if, what if, what if? People can come up with a million what ifs. So let's cover the what ifs. If that in fact happened, what would that look like for you and how would your scenario be impacted? That's the best that I can do to improve their scenario. And I would say 50% of the time, that works incredibly well. But unfortunately, some people are just worry warts. That's just what they do. They just worry all the time. And my best objective or my best, uh, the best that I can lend to that is trying to give them at least a couple of days where they're not worrying because they remember what we talked about or maybe going to quarterly meetings so we can revisit a little more often. But some people are just going to worry, Diane. There's just nothing you can do about it. And then, you know, I'm sure you know people that don't worry enough. <laughs> uh, uh, plenty. Yeah. And, you know, I almost admire those people. But at the same time, it's my objective or my job in that scenario to try and give them all the reasons that they should be doing other things. Not to add worry to their lives, but make them understand that simply saying everything's going to be okay does not mean that everything's going to be okay. You know, you know, I can't tell you how many times I have people that come in that say, you know, things just have a way of working out. Okay. But you told me you're going to retire next year. You need 50 grand a year and you don't have any money. I don't know how things are just going to work out. I mean, I appreciate your, your uh, extreme optimism, but we have to get a little dose of reality as well. So you're right. It happens on both sides. My job is just to try and deliver the facts in the most palatable way possible. Besides this show every weekend, you can also join Josh every Monday at 1230 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. That's it for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this weekend. Again, catch Josh on Monday. Like I said, we'll be back for the show the same time next week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.